Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. We're halfway through the spring season, more or less, folks. We've had games winding up. We've got virtually every team in practice. Um, So we are slowly sifting through all of that news for you. There is so much news that we don't have time to cover it all on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the biggest cop-out thing ever, guys. But we do want to preface before we hop into tonight's show by saying that we're not really going to cover too much spring practice news tonight, guys. If you're looking for spring practice news, there are two places that you can find it. You can either go to our YouTube page, Campus 2 Canton, the same here as the podcast, the same as the website. It's all the same. Campus number two, Canton. Go on there. Every day, Matt Bruning is doing a 10 to 15 minute show um, where he just kind of goes over the big news across college football on the day, whatever it may be. Um, he, he talks, you know, whatever school he, he can find, uh, he will chat about. So that those are every day on the YouTube channel. He also tweets them out from his account account from the Campus to Canton Twitter account when, when, when they go live. So you can check those out at Campus to Canton. Again, campus number two, Canton. Matt is what at is it? Sports Fanatic MB. It is campus CM. Mm. Write this down, Colin. I know you're okay. not very well. PUS, the number two, and then Canton. And that's a place in Ohio. Can, that you, is can you spell that one? Okay. T O N. Canton. Got it. Fanatic. Got it. There you go. Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So you can find all of them there or. At the end of the week, Matt goes in, takes all five of the shows from the week, punches them into one show that's about a little over an hour, and then uploads them to the podcast feed. You've probably seen them show up on you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday, sometime over the weekend. Uh, he goes in and does that, um, and, and they're just labeled spring practice reports, and it has like the, the week. So you can find all sorts of news on there, guys. We're not going to rehash a bunch of this stuff because, to be honest, we'd probably be covering a lot of the same stuff that he did. And he's doing such a good job. I mean, who are mm-hmm. we to to yeah. do that to him to, to we can't we don't want we don't want to do that so we're so we're not going to do that what we are going to do tonight guys is talk some adp uh it is almost the beginning of the month so the adp is going to be rolling over here very very soon along with all of our rankings over at campus so we are going to dive into some adp trends now that we have four months of data basically to work with so that's what we're going to do does that sound okay to you colin yeah Let's do it. Okay, cool. So without further ado, then, let's start this bad boy off. The podcast is part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, along with a ton of other great podcasts, including the True North Fantasy Podcast, the Play to Win Podcast, the Dynasty Happy Hour, the Injury Prone Podcast with Dr. Edwin Porras, Dynasty Vipers, the Smoke Show, uh, Triple Play Fantasy Podcast, the FFB Familia Podcast, the Preferred Lines Podcast, not the Blurred Lines podcast, as we mentioned last week, and the Fantasy Points podcast itself. And you can follow all of them in one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live or check out their weekly Friday drop that recaps the week in the Fantasy Sport Points Media Group. All right, Colin. We do have, I, I lied. I fibbed. That's not like me. Never. You're never doing that. No. I lied. One of the most bit. trustworthy stand up guys I know. That's what, I, that's what I've been told. Um, Demond Demas is entering the transfer portal. This feels noteworthy for a lot of reasons. I mean, he's a name that if you're in, the, you know, playing this type of fantasy, 
uh, play any sort of Debbie CFF. You're just a college football fan. You probably know DeMond DeMoss, five-star recruit, uh, wide receiver, uh, two years ago uh, in the same class as Julian Fleming. There were these two monster, big, tall, athletic wide receivers. We thought, hot damn, look at these guys. They've got all the tools that we could ever want. They're going to go in. They're just going to smash college football, and they're going to be the future NFL stars. Didn't really happen for either of them. Uh, and as bad as Julian Fleming has been, DeMond DeMoss has been worse. Uh, caught that long touchdown pass last year in like week three of the season. That was your buy, that was your sell window, folks. Um, if you did not sell after that happened, um, then you got left holding a tiny, tiny bag. Because uh, tiny bag? DeMoss, I think it's a big old bag. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. Okay, sorry. Big old bag of doo-doo. It is, it is a big old bag. Um <laughs> Because not only has he been suspended because of some domestic violence accusations, obviously had uh, minor legal issues with with uh, possession of marijuana last offseason, uh, and didn't sound like he was going to be back to Texas A&M. He has officially entered the transfer portal. Colin, what do we think? Who cares? I mean, no, I'm I'm pretty much out on Demond Demas. Uh, he hasn't been able to put it together at Texas A&M. He was always more athlete than he was wide receiver i don't think he showed much of any development at all during his time there um and then you know with the allegation going on and now he's entering the portal very late in the process uh you know he's probably going to miss the spring practice wherever he ends up so yeah i mean it's it's just not looking good it's just one bad thing after another uh i don't have him anywhere and i don't want him anywhere yeah, you you phrased it as you're pretty much out on Demond Demas. I have out okay. out on Demond. I'm out. Demas. out. Okay. Um, I was out out a year ago. I think we talked a lot on this show about do not draft Demond Demas, mm-hmm. and if you already have him uh, for some unfortunate reason, uh, not not blaming people for taking him as a freshman, like you you bet on on big tools, you lost like NBD. Um, but after he did nothing at Texas A and M as a freshman with basically no depth chart really in front of him i think that was the kind of the point where you probably should have been concerned um and, and probably should have been gone uh last off season so yeah it does seem like one of those guys that that we're just done with do you think he finds another home or, or is he you know just just done i mean he's got this like it, it feels like it's tri- tri- trivializing it to say like this this domestic violence cloud hanging over his head like it but because it's self-inflicted but like he he has this hanging over his head does he find another home i think he will eventually i mean these programs you know they don't always really seem to care that much i think he'll find a home somewhere now i'll be probably surprised if it's p5 seems like he might go more the g5 route like i don't think these p5 programs will need or want to take a chance on him so you're probably looking at a g5 school but See, I don't even think he ends up FBS. But you know actually where I do think could be a spot for him, depending on, obviously, what happens here legally with him. Does he feel like the next Jackson State guy to you, or is that just me? I mean, he's a highly talented guy. That would be a big name for Jackson State to go get. So, I mean, I could see it. They have not been afraid to go out and get guys that have had some legal issues as Mm -hmm. well. I mean, not like, you know, murderers or anything, right. but like they guys that have been kicked out of previous institutions has not has not seemed to deter 
Dion and Jackson State from going out and snagging a few of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see that for sure. It yeah. wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. So that like that feels like the rehab route that he goes like from a reputation standpoint. I don't know that he actually gets another because I like I, I feel like he's one of those guys that maybe would think too highly of himself to quote unquote stoop to a coastal Carolina level or, you know, like a, a, a premium ish G5 program. Yeah, I mean, I could see that, too. I mean, you know, there were reports as well that he was, you know, battling the coaching staff a little bit. I think those were more last year. I haven't really heard too much. That was like last offseason. I haven't really no, heard he's not allowed around them right now, so he's probably not battling anybody. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Just to throw that out there. That's a fair point. Uh, it's like the monkey paw. He's like, man, I want to I want to stop. Please let me stop fighting with my coaches. And it's like, mm, okay, <laughs> fix that for you. All right. <laughs> So that's the only piece of news that we're really, really only going to cover. Like we said, go check out Matt's videos on YouTube or the Jumbo Pod that comes out at the end of every week on that. Uh, if you are looking for more podcast content, we can't we can't give you guys much more podcast content. We're we're trying our hardest, but we can't uh, we can't give that much more uh, at this point with something coming out every day. Um, all right, Colin, we promised ADP trends. Did we tease this last week and then didn't do it, or did we just we cut did. all that out of the episode? Like, I, uh, I think we teased it at the very beginning and then okay. I think you cut it at the end. Okay. Yeah. We got to like an hour. We thought it would take yeah. us like 20 minutes to get through all the things. And we took us like an hour. We were like, oh crap. So um, yeah, we decided we'd kind of push this to this week. And now that the, uh, the ADP obviously keeps, you know, continuing to build out. We had a couple of uh, drafts going on this week. We figured why the heck not. Um, so all of this data is gathered by us at campus to Canton, more specifically by PJ at, dynasty pj uh on twitter uh go ahead give him a follow if you have not he conducts like freshman drafts debbie drafts and uh campus to canton campus side startups uh currently we do all of these drafts through 20 rounds we'll probably beef them up or do some longer running ones and then um we uh take donations of completed drafts as well to add <laughs> uh, especially as the offseason goes on and more and more drafts yes, uh, are conducted just to kind of fill in uh some of the back end stuff uh there um which is a little less reliable anyway so it's not like the biggest deal uh once you get past like 2025th round i digress yeah. plus we people broke. lose people lose focus sometimes through these mock drafts through 20 rounds if we try to do 45 rounds you know in a lot of these mock drafts it would take forever and I know like realistically, like if I if I'm playing in a league, it's a 12 team league, like and every manager is absolutely locked in. Sure, ADP probably really matters after round 25 or so. If it's not just like a group of individuals that are just super savvy, know what they're talking about, super locked in the whole draft, then it's kind of just a pool after that. Like really in, in the grand scheme of things, mm -hmm. and, you know, and a guy that goes round 25, one draft goes undrafted in the next one. Um, so yeah, we figure we, we, we go up to 20 and that feels like a pretty darn good spot. You'll, you'll see most of the big names gone by then. Um, some quarterback, email. um, I, I want you to kind of help me explain some of these, uh, if you think they're, they're good or not. Um, I think the, we've got a lot of second year quarterbacks on here. Uh, a couple of second year quarterbacks. And I'm, I'm going to ask you both about both of them here, Colin. So JJ McCarthy. 
second year quarterback at Michigan. We talked about he's got the shoulder injury. He's done here for the spring. Um, what that means for him long term, if you want to kind of hear our thoughts on that, uh, go listen to last week's episode. Seven, uh, QB 14 overall in our drafts, ADP of 73, uh, which, you know, puts him, what, sixth round there, right? And, you know, right at the beginning of the seventh, right? Sixth. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, look at me mathing. Um, is that good value? Uh, no, I'm not really a big fan of that. I mean, he, I don't have our ADP history tool pulled up here, but that feels like right about where he was going last year. There hasn't really been any dip in his value, but last year we were kind of assuming that, okay, yeah, Cade McNamara starts the year, but JJ McCarthy's way more talented. Cade McNamara is not all that talented overall he's not you know really like a standout type of a quarterback you know we kind of i at least was operating under the assumption that at some point during the year jj mccarthy would start to earn that starter role now michigan had a way better year than we thought uh cade mcnamara game managed his way to the playoffs um for michigan for the first time ever so we didn't see jj mccarthy on the field for anything other than, you know, a handful of packages a game. And Jim Harbaugh is not the kind of guy who's going to uh, supplant the guy who just led him to the playoffs if, you know, he doesn't have to. So, and I don't think J.J. McCarthy, you know, out for the spring, he's not really going to be able to push him. Now we're looking at another year of Cade McNamara starting and a handful of packages here for J.J. McCarthy. Now he's going to be entering year three and he hasn't started a game really, or he hasn't started very many games if he gets one in in there at all for an injury or something. But if you don't start your first two years and you at a P five school, especially a P five school like Michigan, you have to be lights out your third year. The margin of error dramatically decreases. And I'm just not willing to take that gamble at QB 14 overall in the sixth round. Yeah, um, I think like even if you I'll pretend for a minute that I'm a really big J.J. McCarthy fan. I'm not. And I think I've made that fairly, you know, well known without like trashing the kid on on Mm -hmm. shows here. Um, Just not a kid that I had rated super high last year. Um, I think even if you are a really big fan of J.J. McCarthy, 73 is still kind of a tough pill to swallow for you. I think I mean, what you're assuming there is kind of like for him to make that draft pick worth it is you really have to assume that he comes back this year and he takes that job and he really takes it like early in the season. And I'm not sure that that's the case. Like Harbaugh is not the kind of guy that tends to really make that change in season unless the quarterback is costing them games. And that's the thing about Cade McNamara. Like he's not bad enough to cost you a game. He's not really good enough to go out there and win one for you either. Um, So like, I feel like we won't, he won't get pulled if we make it to the season and he's still the guy because McCarthy is still feeling some lingering effects from shoulder surgery. Uh, McCarthy to have a a larger conversation about this kind of falls into what I consider to be the quarterback dead zone in these drafts after, I mean, I'm Mr. Zero QB, but the, the strategy for me kind of changes by the off season, just the nature of college drafts, the player pool shifts, you know, 20 to 25% every single season. You can't see that for dynasty. Um, so it, it's a lot different when you're doing like a startup draft and you're kind of looking at these things. I do think it's, uh, these drafts are a little deeper quarterback this year. 
Um, but still, he's going like he's quite QB 14. Kyle McCord's QB 15. Sam Heward's QB 16. Like those are three quarterbacks that you're were very highly regarded last year. And then coming into this year, like uh, two of the three of those probably won't have the job at their school. So it's very weird that Sam Heward of the three of them, the guy that probably ends up winning his job in a higher powered offense than the other, you know, than, than McCarthy for sure. McCord, obviously it's Ohio state and he goes after those. Th- it's very, it's a very, very odd grouping for me. Yeah. That like, that's like the range where those guys were pretty much going there last year and they really haven't moved. I mean, you had a couple guys at the top end clear out. You had a couple guys jump up and jump over them, but those two basically cancel each other out and they just hang out right in the same spot they were last year. And, you know, then not that McCord isn't talented, not that McCarthy isn't talented, but you are taking them with, you're not necessarily baking in the risk if you're taking them there. And that's why I have not been ending up with any of McCarthy or McCord in any of these mocks that we've been doing. Heward kind of is scary too there. Like I feel like the reward, the instant chance for instant reward with him is a lot better. But if those quarterbacks fail again year two, I do think drafters, like as this space kind of popularizes a little bit, like people are becoming aware, like if you just are not, like you just can't get on a field year one, year two, like you probably aren't, but the odds of you being good, like aren't that high. So like the VAT, like people like, I feel like four or five years ago, like Demond Demas, if he had not had these legal issues, would still be going like top fifty in drafts because people would say, "Whoa, he's still really big. He's still really athletic. Like this is finally the year." I think we kind of have started to condition ourselves. That's not the case, uh, but it's not the case at other positions as well. And you talked about, you know, what Chris Moxley had looked into, where if you don't hit it by year two, you just have to be like light out year three to kind of you know get draft capital to move on to the nfl to be anything there so you're really really putting all your eggs in the this year basket for two guys especially mccord and mccarthy who i think the odds of that happening are very very low yeah i would agree yeah so those guys you know, we've got those guys brock vandergriff falls a little bit after them he's quarterback 23 uh 114.2 overall so he's going you know three or four rounds after that clump uh, for good reason. Um, I think this one counts as a win for me in that bold <laughs> predictions article. I said of all the freshmen, he will suffer the biggest drop in ADP from year one to year two. I'll need to go back and, and fact check that and see exactly. But I th- it's it's going just as I anticipated here, where he just has no chance at the Georgia do- job ever. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that I haven't heard any buzz about him trying to leave there either. No, I haven't either. And I mean, we've... Um... CFF Jared uh, at our site, Jared Palmgren. He's our our Georgia insider, our man on the ground there, and he's been giving us you know some little nuggets here and there on Georgia. And there hasn't been a single mention of Brock Vandergriff at all. Um, you know, we they were talking about the QBs, and somebody said, "Where's Brock Vandergriff?" And I said, "Watching from the dorms because he's non-existent, and I think he's going to need to transfer." I think he's going to need to transfer to a low P5, G5 type of a school, most likely. Um, and even at that point, it's a little late in the process for him to do that. So I'm kind of kind of all out on him, too. 
is he just Harrison Bailey, but we're a year behind on it? Like, this is year two, going to year two for Harrison Bailey. People are like, oh, it's fine. He'll, he'll be fine. Yeah. He'll be fine. And now, like, he's gone from Tennessee. He transferred to, what, UNLV? Now, granted, mm-hmm. sounds like that might be a slightly better situation for him than originally anticipated. But, like, he feels like basically the Harrison Bailey from his class going through the same thing Harrison Bailey was going through um, with, like, the same, you know, small group of truthers and then everybody else kind of saying, like, it's time to move on. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And then the bad thing about Georgia, and actually, I mean, I guess we can say this about Tennessee too, because they have brought in Taven Jackson this year, who is a borderline top 10 quarterback. And then obviously Nico uh, next year, who, who again, we talked about on last week's episode. Um, like if you don't like the timing for a lot of these guys at these big schools has to be like perfect. You really have to kind of hit like a very small opening. It is like, I, it's been a really long time since I've watched Star Wars. <laughs> when they're shooting at the little thing on the Death Star and it's like you have this little itty bitty bitty place you got to shoot. And if you don't hit it right, like and it's a suicide mission. Like that is what it's like for a lot of these quarterbacks that go to Alabama or Ohio State or typically USC or Georgia or like it, it, Clemson. Any of these big schools, you really have to time it where you are the guy who either shows up the year that your big quarterback leaves or like the year before. So you can get in the door, learn the offense. And like, if you come in the year after a guy, like then you're kind of screwed. And I think that's what we're seeing with, you know, with Kyle McCord, uh, especially out of this Mm -hmm. group. But I mean, it it happens all the time. Ty Tom? Yes. Stuck behind <laughs> Bo Nix. Yes. He's never had a chance. Never had a chance. Um, no, I, I agree with you. I actually prefer, I know you said, you know, the year, the year that they leave or the year before that they leave. I prefer the year before they leave, you know, because that gives them one year to sit and and learn. We don't see a lot of true freshmen get on the field uh and and make differences. So that opens up the possibility if they come in the year that the quarterback leaves as a true freshman it opens up the possibility for somebody transferring in and you know they have to battle there then and that transfer could stick for two years or you know somebody else winning that job who was ahead of them and then it just makes it a little bit harder so you know it's not bad if they come in as a freshman um you know to an opening but i do prefer them to come in one year sit and then look to be the next guy to take over the job you know cj stroud bryce young did that dju you know he did that it fell that way for him even before that um haynes king also fell in that way you know he had a year behind um kellen mond and then he won that starting job last year now he ended up getting hurt but you know he won that job sounds like he might win it again this year too back from max johnson um, so I do tend to prefer the guys who uh, have one year to sit as a freshman and then get that job. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's basically what we talked about last offseason where I was like, I don't know that CJ Stroud is significantly more talented than mm-hmm. he's been there for a full year. He's been on campus. He's gotten stronger. He knows the staff. He knows where to go get lunch. Like these are things yep. that you don't really think about. And then you you send these kids, you know, hundreds to thousands of miles away from home, they have a tough time acclimating. I with this conversation on quarterbacks just really went off the rails. It did. I don't know. It, it, I don't know what did. happened. <laughs> uh, let, let's move on here. We'll talk about it. We have a couple more quarterbacks here written down. 
Um, Anthony Richardson and DJU. I feel like these are both uh, intriguing quarterbacks for slightly different reasons, but they are very, very close here in our ADP. Uh, DJU is QB 11. He's a 57.7 overall. Uh, Anthony Richardson is QB eight and he's at 43.8. So they're like, they're like around apart, but like three or four quarterbacks kind of go in that range. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess I want to toss a more specific question to you than like, what do you think of these guys? Um, if you had to bet on one of those guys, uh, making that ADP look good this year, which one of, which one of those two are you thinking? Pretty easily Anthony Richardson for me. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't hate that ADP. I mean, you're baking in some assumptions there, you know. Um, but with Anthony Richardson, I think he's the type of player where, if he never really develops as a passer, I still think we're looking at a uh, Malik Willis esque type of a fantasy ceiling in college where he can just run all over people. He's very clearly one of the most athletic quarterbacks in the country. Um, you know, he's a dynamite athlete and I don't necessarily trust Napier to unleash him to his full potential. So I don't think he would actually hit that Malik Willis like ceiling, but I still think he is a talented enough athlete uh, that he would be able to return some fantasy value for you. Even if he never hits, even if he never takes that next step forward as a as a passer and as an NFL prospect. Whereas DJU, I mean, we saw that floor last year, and that floor is low. That floor is low for the Clemson offense. That floor is low for DJU. I don't think Clemson's offense will be as bad as it was last year. It's hard for it to be as bad as it was last year. And if DJ does win that job and, and starts. I think it's hard for him to be as bad as he was last year too. But at QB 11, he has to make a significant jump and that offense has to make a significant jump for him to pay off at that ADP. So I still think DJU is going too high based on these, the name recognition here. Um, I don't have my rankings pulled up in front of me, but I believe he's around QB 45 to 50 in that range for me. And that's where pretty much I'm just willing to take a chance on the tools that we saw before and just hope that he can put it back together again. But I don't feel that confident about it. So QB 11 is way too early. We talked to the DJ conundrum a couple of weeks ago. I wish I remembered the episode um, just to you know direct people if they wanted to rehear that conversation. I think you, you summed it up there pretty well. Um, I think, you know, there are starting to be reports coming out of Clemson that like he's lost some weight. Like he, he looks like just physically looks better mm -hmm. um, than he did last year. If you are skittish on DJU at all, this feels like the time to sell him. Like I think he, the people are starting to get kind of optimistic on him again. Um, and I think the, the, the reward is not necessarily worth the risk in my opinion, but I'm a very risk averse fantasy player uh, especially when it comes to prospect speculating um so if like i said if you were skittish at all i am i am skittish on him i still think kate klubnik takes that job that was the conclusion that we came to a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. when we discussed this then i don't see any reason why you shouldn't be shopping him around gently 
right now. You know, not like high bidder on Friday, get some like, but like, you know, kind of saying like, Hey guys, like I, I I'm considering selling DJU, uh, you know, it's it, anybody, you know, any takers uh, and kind of moving on from there. I wouldn't give him away. Cause I think you should be able to get something for him now. Mm-hmm. I think people have kind of forgotten like just truly how bad he was last year. Like you can blame the receivers a little bit, but he was just flat out really bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, so my preferred strategy for that is the, um, it's sort of like a comp compliment sandwich type of a thing where I will put up a list of guys like, Hey, these guys are on the block and I'll bury a guy like DJU in the middle. Uh, that way it doesn't look like, Hey, I'm trying to fire sale this guy, but you know, I want to, I'm looking to get rid of this guy. Wow. You, you mind gaming son of a bitch. You're like the guy from saw out here. Just, you know, <laughs> thinking all sorts of weird just, stuff to do to people. I just did that in the program. Now you have to go and look and figure out which guys it is that I'm actively oh. looking to get rid of. Oh, <laughs> see, so I, 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 I mind fucked Matt in that league last week. <laughs> we are in the same league. I had Kyle McCord and I said, I will trade Kyle McCord to anybody except for Matt. And Matt came in with a very strong offer and we were able to get that deal across the, across the line. So I no longer have, I also have CJ Stroud. So that's why I was so last year. I didn't want to sell one, either one of them in case, you know, however that shook right. out. But I think we, we know by this point, uh, people don't want to hear about our teams. No, um, just a <laughs> funny anecdote there. And guys, guess who I got straight up for Kyle McCord. Is it the guy we're going to talk about next? It's the guy we're going to talk about next. Notre Dame wide receiver, Lorenzo Styles, straight up. I don't know. Tell me what you think of that trade, guys. Um, I liked it personally, but I'm I, I'm a little weak at wide receiver. Um, and you are driving the Lorenzo Styles bandwagon. Beep beep, get on, bitches. Because um, <laughs> this thing is not slowing down. Lorenzo Styles, wide receiver, thirty five in our ADP right now, one hundred and sixteen point two overall. I'm shocked that this is not higher, Colin. I know we jokingly call it in the Discord the Austin bump, but mm-hmm. like really, I am a little bit surprised. Not that like I'm not I'm not driving these things necessarily, but we talk about him a lot here on the show. Um, obviously, our audience comprises a, a fairly decent in playing sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, so wide receiver 35, and just to name some guys, Colin, that he's going behind. Um, that I don't like that are right in front of him that I really don't think he should be going behind. Um, he's going behind Demond Demoss, who's a wide receiver 34. No, 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 no. Um, Dante Demas, who I do like, but like his knee exploded, guys. Like I think that is a lot worse. He's not playing at all this spring, uh, wide receiver at Maryland. That's a risky one. He's behind Konata Mumfield, Pittsburgh wide receiver. I'm not sure that offense can support multiple wide receivers, and obviously Jordan Addison is there. Um, Julian Fleming, wide receiver, Ohio State is still in front of him. Brian Thomas, the LSU second year guy. Not sure what the upside is there necessarily with him. Jaden Hazelwood, same thing with him at Arkansas. I'm not sure exactly what the upside is. Like there's a lot of guys in front of him that it just feels like you're taking a name. And like, even if, even if Lorenzo Styles doesn't necessarily work out, I think he's still a better pick. And some of those guys, because the upside is just so much higher. Like I think we already know a lot of those names in front of him. I mean, the, the only one besides Mum, like Mumfield was the only one that I said, like the circumstances where we don't really love the rest of them were like, we're probably sure he's not good at football. And the rest of styles, like we think he probably is good at football and let's not make fantasy football harder than it has to be guys. Let's draft players that we think are probably good at football and let's avoid the guys that probably are not. 
Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I like you said, it's it's the the Austin bump for um, Lorenzo Styles, but you know, seeing what he did in that bowl game, and I do think that Brian Kelly leaving is going to let Tommy Reese open that offense up a little bit more, like we saw in the bowl game. Um, now they're probably not. I don't. I don't think Notre Dame's going to throw the ball that much. Um, I think. Uh, Jack Cohn threw for like 500 yards. Like I don't see that coming, you know, regularly, but I do think they're going to open it up a little bit more. And I think that's going to open up some opportunities for styles. So yeah, I I'm, I'm in on styles, especially at that wide receiver 35 price tag. Yeah, that, that's a real, I, I thought for sure it'd be higher and okay. Granted guys, the wide receiver that I did this with last season was Jaden Wally. And I got that one wrong. I still think there's some value there, but obviously he's never going to match where I was advising taking mm-hmm. him. Um, so cautionary tale, um, you know, maybe you shouldn't be taking Lorenzo Styles as early as we think, but it, it, he, that this is my guy this offseason mm-hmm. that I'm going to just bang the drum for. Uh, the year before I, that was uh, Traylon Burks, though, so that one worked pretty well. We're one for two. We'll see. <laughs> Let's make it two for three here. Um a couple of wide receivers, Colin, I think that are really interesting here. Um, two CFF heavy guys. You know, I'm not sure long term how much NFL uh, future is there for a couple of different reasons for each of them. Jaden Reed, uh, wide receiver at Michigan State, uh, one uh, wide receiver 55 overall, 152.7 is his ADP. Uh, and then Jalen Cropper, the fourth year guy at Fresno State, 162 overall. So, you know, within a round of each other here. Wide receiver, 63. Um, do you feel either uh, both of those guys are kind of adequately ranked right now based on, you know, uh, lack of probable high in NFL upside? Um, no, I think those guys are, are both really good values right now. Um, and even if you're going off of, know lack of probable high uh, you know lack of probable nfl upside which i definitely think is a conversation but Jaden reed finished last year in a points per game basis as the wide receiver 22 uh gone is kenneth walker so i think that oh projecting him for a wide receiver 22 finish again is pretty safe i don't see him losing a significant portion of it at offense plus jalen naylor is gone as well so I think if anything, he's probably going to be more of a focal point of that offense. So I can see another wide receiver two type of a finish for him. I think he's going to be a good asset to have for your CFF side. Uh, and then he is a pretty dynamic player. Uh, I believe, you know, at one point last year, he was leading the country in scrimmage yards where it was very, very close or all purpose yards. and was very, very close. You know, he returns kicks as well. So I think he'll stick on a roster. In the NFL, I don't see him as a day two guy right now, but you know, Alfred um, released a Twitter thread the other day where talking about where if you if you are a day three wide receiver, you better have some special teams and kick return ability, and Jaden Reed does. So, you know, there's worse bets that you can make for NFL future for guys who are going to produce for you for the CFF side as well. You know, he's more CFF than Devi, but. He's not a total Debbie zero. Uh, I think Jalen um, Jalen Cropper falls in a similar boat as well, where he finished last year as the wide receiver 26 on a points per game basis. Now they do lose Kalen DeBoer at offense. 
uh, or um, a, a head coach, but they have Tedford there as well. Tedford's no slouch when it comes to CFF production. I think Jalen Cropper is still looking at that in, in a wide receiver three type of production for for CFF. I mean, last year he finished with just under a thousand scrimmage yards uh, at 85 catches, 13 total touchdowns. I think that's within the realm of possibility again this year. Um, you know, so it may be a little bit under that, but I still think he'll be a CFF producer. And then another guy who has some, you know, versatility and multi-use. So not a total Devi zero either, but for them to be going wide receiver 55 and 63, that is, that's really good value. Because Jalen Cropper was going much earlier than that last year. Yeah, he's dropped a little bit, which is really interesting. Um, Colin, do you know when Jaden Reed's freshman year was? I do not. I believe he's listed as a junior, but it could be a. It might have been a redshirt junior. I have it in front of me. Um, okay, I, I'm not going to be you last week, just guessing things in the middle of the show when we're supposed to be, you know the authority on something here, Colin. I, I'm not going to play that game with the folks hey, at home. Zach Pascal's not a he's not on the Colts anymore. <laughs> Zach Pascal oh, resigned a one year deal, right? He's resigned with the Colts. No, he did not. Uh signed a one year deal with the Colts. I said did he resign with the Colts? Or he did, did not? Because the people at home. Eagles. Eagles. You're with the Eagles yes. now. Mm-hmm. Um Jaden Reed's Sorry. freshman go ahead. Jaden Reed's freshman year was twenty eighteen. Okay. So that's if a your guy. Yeah, that's the thing that's concerning about Jaden Reed. I um I lucky enough I I got to write him up for the Debbie guide that we're putting together right now. Um and he's a very intriguing profile. Because the data guys will both love him and they'll hate him. Freshman year just like total breakout. Led Western Michigan in receptions, yards, and touchdowns at the position, despite competing with Dwayne Eskridge and Jalen Hall for targets. Like that's pretty impressive. Eskridge second on draft pick and Jalen Hall, and he just transferred to WKU. But he, I mean, he's a big athletic guy. Like I think in the NFL, he he's probably going to make it there. So it's a true freshman. Jaden Reed went there to Western Michigan, did that, transferred to Michigan State, obviously sat out a year, and then even in the COVID year where they only played a handful of games, he still put up thirty three four oh seven and three. Last year, obviously, topped 1,000 yards for the first time, double-digit touchdowns. And stylistically, like he's stylistically, he's similar to Keishon Boutte. They're not close to the same player. Do not get me wrong. Like they, they <laughs> Jaden are... Reed is a poor man's Keishon Boutte. Colin, Colin's going to cut that. Colin's going to cut that first. just away. Yes. Um, that, that makes it sound like I'm saying that. Um, <laughs> no. But, but they are very, very similar in that I think they're kind of uh, I have a lot of positional versatility, very similar size. Reed is six foot one eighty five. They can both return kicks, and I think that will be, like you said, Reed's uh, way onto a field early. Um, but there's some things not to like about him, like very average a dot. He doesn't necessarily always uh, win deep, which I think could be a concern. And I think he probably might only be a slot only guy. Maybe last year he played 87% of his snaps on the boundary for Michigan state, but he doesn't always look super comfortable at the line, especially with press. So I am wondering if that, if that pushes him inside would like him a lot less if he did that. So there, I mean, there's a lot of things, but I think he will have a very good fantasy season here in 2022. Um, Don't sleep on that Michigan state offense. They've got some fun wide receivers there. Um, 
you know, everyone's favorite last year, Keon Coleman. I'm not a huge fan, but not a bad player by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? Jeremy Bernard. Uh, Antonio Gates' kid is going in there. Uh, you know, Ricky he's White. not a he's not who Ricky White wasn't that one? A Ricky White left, right? I'm pretty sure he's at UNLV now with Harrison Bailey. Oh, okay, that's the rumor. Okay, the rumor. um, high school teammates teaming back up there again, yeah. Um, so I mean, they they their water super is not bad. I think he's really intriguing. Jalen Cropper, I was also lucky enough to write him up for our our guide here. Austin wrote um, all of our wide receivers. In case I promise like I haven't even written like the most profiles and I don't know if I've written the most wide receivers. It just happened that both these two guys, which you chose by the way, um, are, are guys that I've written up. The thing about Cropper last year, guys, that is a little concerning to me, like high volume, but like not like not super high ADOT at all. Like 85 catches, 899 yards. If you're getting 85 catches, you should be in college at like 1,200 yards. Like there's no reason for you not to be. And he had 11 touchdowns. Like the touchdown rate feels slightly unsustainable to me based on how he was playing last year and how he profiles is not like a big red zone guy. And he's not like a huge deep threat either. I actually think that he's going to finish worse this year for fantasy purposes. And while I was kind of banging the drum for him to be like a late day two, early day three NFL draft pick, I'm not sure I still see that upside based on what he did last year, based on watching a couple of his games from last year. Um, like he just didn't really get any better. I expected kind of a third year leap and he didn't do that. Um, so I'm very concerned about, about him moving forward. I actually probably wouldn't take him quite in that range. I need to drop him a little bit in my rankings here before we update those. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely dropped him some from last year. Like we said, you know, he, he was that I think I feel like he was probably going around like the wide receiver 30 range, 35-ish last year. And now he's down to like wide receiver 63. Um, I think I have him probably down around my wide receiver like 45-ish. Um, but so yeah, I'm lower on him than I was last year, but I still think he's gonna produce a solid uh CFF year. Uh, and then the position versatility, uh, you know, I think that helps make him not a total Devi zero though. Like some of these other guys could be at, at some G five schools. Yeah. They're, they're both really, really interesting. We'll see what happens with them. Call one more wide receiver question for you. And then we'll move on to the running backs here. Um, and this is a really interesting one. EJ Williams, um, third year going into his third year at Clemson. Um, basically the, the typical Clemson wide receiver, uh, height weight wise, he's the fifth Clemson wide receiver off the board. Uh, he is going behind, and he's going around the 168 mark in drafts overall. He's behind Bo Collins, uh, Adam Randall, uh, true freshman going in there, Dakari Collins, um, uh, second-year kid, uh, came in with Bo last year, and then Antonio Williams as well, uh, another freshman. Should he be going that late? And the other, We didn't even talk about Joe Ngata, who has actually been getting a decent amount of hype. I've been trying to really follow the Clemson spring stuff because of the wide receiver battle, because of the quarterback battle. I want to hear how the running back depth starts lining up behind Will Shipley. Like, There's a lot of unsettled things at Clemson. Um, and they're saying that, that Ngata looks really good, but should EJ Williams be the fifth? And honestly, probably by the end of time the season rolls around, the sixth Clemson wide receiver off the board? Um, no, I don't think he should. So... I mean, first of all, with Joe and Gata, I mean, we've heard that before, you know, I'll believe it when I see it from him. 
Um, so I'm, I'm out on Joe and God. I don't really have much interest in him at all. Um, but EJ Williams is a guy who he flashed his freshman year and then earned a starting role going into last year. And then he, he got hurt part of the way through the year, uh, which opened the door for Bo Collins. And I do think Bo Collins is the wide receiver. If you're going to take a wide receiver from that room, Bo Collins is the one that you want. I do like both of the freshmen, uh, Adam Randall and Antonio Williams. Now, Adam Randall's been getting some buzz too. Uh, Dabo had a really nice quote about him being uh, one of the most pro ready freshmen that have come in. And he, you know, lumped him in with um, a guy like Bo Collins, Sammy Watkins. Uh, and there was one other one in the, in that quote that I can't remember either. So, you know, Adam Randall looks good too. Um, but Adam Randall also fits the exact same profile as Bo Collins, EJ Williams, and Joe Angata. So I don't know exactly where Adam Randall shakes into that. Now, I do think he's more talented than Gata, so, you know, we'll see. But Angata's probably going to get the start there over him. You know, then you have Dakari Collins, who flashed a little bit last year as well, but I just think overall isn't as talented as EJ Williams. Um, you know, Antonio Williams is the, is a different archetype than the other guys on this list, so that helps him to stand out a little bit. So I would probably take EJ Williams as the fourth Clemson wide receiver off the board. I would take him over Dakari Collins. Yeah, I, I would take him over Dakari too. Um Bo, honestly, like I'm going to shift my focus on this question a little bit away from EJ Williams. I think that's a pretty good thought process there in him. Bo Collins is a really good value right now at 48. I find myself when I'm doing a lot of these mocks, um, snatching him up like every time. Like, especially um, if you're picking early, like you can get him like on the way back in the third round and something like on the way on, on the opposite way on the fourth too. Like it's, it's pretty crazy what his value is right now down the stretch last year, guys, he was really, really, really good. He, he became basically the go-to wide receiver there at Clemson and granted it's not like it was a, a great room, but a, you know, a true freshman kid, that's what you want to see. You want to see them step up after they've been on campus there for a little bit. Um, had several touchdowns down the stretch, a hundred yard gain. Like he, he was really, really good. Um, so I, like, I, I think he probably is the wide receiver one at Clemson this year. And, and, and he has the upside to be like T Higgins ish or what we thought Justin Ross was after his first year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Bo Collins. I, I had the pleasure of writing up Bo Collins for the guide. Um, oh. And, <laughs> and I do see, uh, I do see a path to, you know, NFL fantasy relevance, like, you know, NFL wide receiver one, two borderline, you know, that kind of a, a wide receiver at the NFL level as well. So I think he has a very high ceiling. Yeah, I do too. Um, definitely, definitely alpha potential. All right, Colin, let's hit on some running backs here. Um, and then uh, we, we'll acknowledge the tight ends, but briefly. Um, <laughs> and then uh, we'll talk some freshman ADP next week. We'll, we'll really dive into some of those drafts because we've had a handful of those done as well. Um, running backs here, Colin. Montreal Johnson's a really interesting name. He has a really high standard deviation, which means he's kind of going all over the place in these drafts. But his ADP right now overall is 83. 
I'm trying to pull up exactly which RB he is. Uh, I lost my spot here as I'm looking for, but 83rd overall um, in in startup drafts. Uh, transferred into Florida this year, Colin. You know, following Billy Napier, we feel like that probably helps his value out a decent amount here. Um, other running backs kind of going in his range. Um, oh, and he's actually fallen a little bit. Uh, when we when we update this, he will be lower. He's now going 128 overall. That's wow. what I'm talking about with these standard deviations. Like he's going all over the place. Some running backs going in the same range as him, guys. Um, the 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 North Carolina duo, Marion Hampton and Kamaro Edmonds, are going two spots behind him. Eric Gray is right there. Um, Keaton Mitchell, Frank Gore Jr. He's a much better back than any of those guys, right? He should be going significantly higher, even if you're skeptical that he can uh, make the jump to the SEC. Yeah, I mean, even if you're skeptical about his NFL future, I would say that he should be going ahead of those other guys, like by a good margin, just by the fact that he has lead back size and familiarity with uh, Napier's system. And the rest of the guys in that room are just kind of meh. I mean, um, Demarcus Bowman, we can talk about in a little bit. I mean, he's very talented, Bowman, you know, very athletic. Um, you know, didn't really, wasn't really able to put it together last year. So I do think that Montreal Johnson has a pretty big leg up on being the lead running back in a Billy Napier offense, a running back or a system that is typically, you know, produces a lot of fantasy production now sucked last year because they split that production three ways. But even if when they split it two ways, you know, both of those backs end up being very good for CFF. And yes, he is making that jump to the SEC, but I think that he's can still put up good numbers for college. Now, when you look at the NFL potential, I do think that's there as well. He's got good speed. Uh, he's got good size. You know, we'll, we'll see kind of on the pass catching aspect of things. Um, but you know, he checks a lot of boxes and, and he'll, you know, he'll be at an sec school in Florida, which will help his NFL profile. So we'll see how that ends up playing out, but he, you know, he was a freshman last year. So He's got two years minimum, probably, you know, if he doesn't end up being an NFL guy, then you're looking at three years. And I think that's valuable in that range, even if it only ends up being three years of CFF production. I agree. I, I think he's going too low. I have him a lot higher than that in my rankings. Um, uh, he's in the 20s, I believe, for me. It's just kind of a shortage of running backs after you get outside the top 10 or 15 or whatever. Yes. Um, this is a good freshman class, so hopefully uh, we are restocking. Um, things a little bit here. How about some falling stars, Colin? How do you how do you feel about some of these names? Two years ago, uh, another very nice running back class, even coming out of high school, we thought very highly of the Bijan Robinson, Tank Bigsby, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, you know, Sean Tucker wasn't up there. Zach Evans, like we we thought very highly of this class. Some big names from that class that have really been a letdown so far here, Colin. Jace McClellan at Alabama is now RB fifteen in our data, uh, going thirty eighth overall. Kendall Milton is RB20, 44.5 overall. Marshawn Lloyd, South Carolina, RB35, 74.7 overall. And then Demarcus Bowman, who originally started at Clemson, made his way to Florida, uh, RB37, 96.8 overall. Um, 
I don't know about you, like the Demarcus Bowman being the last out of all that those guys feels very weird. I feel like him and Floyd, or, yeah, Floyd, him and Lloyd <laughs> at minimum should be flipped. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Marshawn Lloyd's a guy that I was very high on coming out um, that year. I think he was my RB three in that class behind Bijan and Gibbs, uh, and then he was just ahead of Zach Evans for me. So I liked him a lot. You know, he had some really nice buzz coming into his freshman year. And then he had tore his ACL, missed the whole year. Last year, you know, you, you kind of was hope you were kind of hoping that he could re seize that role. Never really happened. He did not look that great. It's still a very crowded backfield this year. So I still like Lloyd's talent, but RB35 is way too rich for me. Um, whereas Demarcus Bowman. You know, are you starting to hear some some buzz about him from the Florida camps? Um, I was listening to the uh, the Swamp twenty four seven podcast, and they said that the the coaches were continually raving about his speed out there as as a guy that they want to get the ball in his hands. Now, he clocked in at I believe it was what one hundred and eighty three pounds, one hundred eighty five pounds. Yeah, he 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 was listed really lightly on there. Yeah, on there so. So that concerns me for his NFL future because that size is is that's small. Um, but I, I could definitely see it being a Montreal Johnson to Marcus Bowman Thunder Lightning duo in that backfield. And if that ends up being the case, then you know I think he'll be CFF relevant. And you know, maybe he works his way into into an NFL future. I, I don't necessarily see it at this point, but stranger things have happened. So for that reason, I would still take him over Lloyd. So, yes, I do feel like those two should be flipped. Bowman's really weird, too, because he has a, the frame to get bigger. It just seems mm -hmm. like he's chosen not to. Um, for Maybe he hasn't been able to, but, yeah, I mean, he wasn't like a tiny guy coming out of high school. He's 5'10". He was, you know, 185, 190 coming out. I don't think he was overlisted. Like, that felt like a pretty solid weight just looking at the kids so I'm, I'm very surprised that he's still listed at 183 and they do still have him listed at that they have their full 2022 mm -hmm. roster up and he's still listed at 183 which i find um just very very odd um i don't know that any of those guys return value but if i had to bet on one it would probably be weirdly mcclellan who's the 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 highest uh of the four here um he's just a pretty good receiving back i just don't know how good of a runner he is Granted, we have a very small sample size for him, like 50 carries or less in two years there. Um, I went down with the knee injury um, part of the way through last year. So, um, and we might not get to see him at full strength this year with Jameer Gibbs, but he, like, of the guys that have been on the field, like, I think he's looked the best, but he still hasn't been, you know, as amazing as we thought he could be. Yeah. I mean, like you said, small sample size, tough to judge. And then, this year too with them bringing in gibbs who's just a much more talented back a much more talented receiving back gibbs is going to take that role and run with it you know how much of a role gibbs has will be you know will remain to be seen i think that trey sanders is going to get some work in there they'll probably split between those two guys if i had to take a guess at this point in time um but that kind of leaves mcclellan without a real role there so you know, we could be looking at, you know, year three, year four, before we even really see anything out of McClellan that makes us feel like 
he has a future there. And, you know, it does take just one year at Alabama to vault yourself up into, you know, higher end, uh, higher end draft capital in the NFL level. So he could have a monster senior year at Alabama next year, not, not this year, then the following year, and then be off to the NFL and be a day two pick. You know, that's definitely within the range of outcomes, but his, his role this year, it has me concerned and RB 15 is just too high for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't love any of them at that, at that value. I just feel like he, yeah. he kind of feels like, you know, one of the better ones. Like I'm not, I'm not that sold. On I should Milton say, I should say, I shouldn't say RB 15 is too rich for me. Cause I don't think I have him too far behind that, but 38 overall is too people, rich for me. People are really aggressively hammering the back end of that kind of tail of the RB monster early, because if you don't get one of those guys early, then like, it just makes sense to wait for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And it feels like McClellan and Milton are kind of guys that are getting lumped in there when they shouldn't be by people like, well, I need to grab a running back now. Cause if I don't, then like, I'm going to wait forever. And I think you're just better off pivoting. Um, you know, Bob Collins is in that range. He goes later. Mm-hmm. Both those guys. I'd rather have Bob Collins than both of them straight up. Yeah. I'm, um, I don't think you need to force it at running back. Like I do agree. Like if you don't hit one, one of those top running backs, like it gets bleak quick, but don't, f- I don't think you need to force it at running back. If you don't get one of those top guys early in the draft, just scoop up value. Just take the best player regardless of position because you want those guys for the Devi purposes. Don't reach on some guys that have bigger question marks when you could, like you said, take a Bo Collins that we feel a lot better about there. So, you know, if you have to punt running back down the road a little bit, then punt running back down the road a little bit, scoop up some freshmen. Yep. Yeah. Promise you can find some guys later. Um, don't not be over aggressive there. Um, tight ends calling. The only really worth thing, you know, worthy of noting right now is that uh, a mayor and Bowers are both going um, right beside each other. Michael Mayer, uh, junior third year tight end at uh, Notre Dame, 19.3 overall. Bowers at 21st overall, the second year kid at Georgia. Uh, I feel like we're going to see a back and forth between those guys all offseason. Just, you know, real quick, Colin, which do you prefer? Uh, I prefer Bowers. You know, he's just, he's more athletic than Mayer. Mayer's more technically refined, but Bowers just has a higher ceiling. And, you know, like I talked about on the, um, Draft the daily draft report when I talked about Greg Dolchich, you know, with Dwight uh, being an elite athlete at tight end matters at the next at the in the NFL. Like those are the guys who end up being, you know, your perennial top five six tight ends are the guys who are elite athletes. I think that's more Bowers Bowers than it is Mayer. So I would take Bowers over him, but in the second round for both of them, that's pretty rich. Yeah, I don't. I I really liked Mayer last year, and he was like a third round pick. Second is just too much for me, um, mm-hmm. unless it's like a tight end premium start two tight ends. I just don't think it's that's necessary at all. Um, so I won't be doing it. Um, all right, Colin, freshman profile time. Did you end up choosing a guy? You were you were back and forth in a couple before we started here. Oh, was I? I, I definitely decided on a guy. I just I guess I just forgot to put him in the oh, sheet. That's right. That's right. Bama um, wide receiver. Yes, uh, my guy is Shaz Preston. It's a guy I've talked about a couple times um, this off season here. I believe I wrote him up for the guide. Uh, I know I did the YouTube uh, getting to know a freshman series, which, you know, if you haven't checked those out and you're looking for some 
for some freshman content and you know, what we think about some, you know, some of these freshmen. We do have a whole getting to know a freshman series on our YouTube channel. Um, but uh, Shaz Preston, wide receiver, going to Alabama. Uh, he's out of Louisiana, six foot, 190 pounds. Uh, he also ran track, played basketball. So, you know, he's got kind of an athletic background there. You know, he's not just strictly a football player. Uh, Preston's a pretty fluid mover. I think he, he can make defenders miss with the ball in his hands. He can pick up some yak here and there. He's a good athlete. I think he's better laterally than he is in a straight line, though. Uh, he ran a 4-6-140 as a freshman in high school. So that's probably that is I would expect that to have improved since then, but he's not a burner. Uh, he does run a variety of routes and he runs them very effectively. He's a good route runner, crisp, snaps the routes off. Uh, he can work the intermediate of the field as well as deep. You can use him in the screen game if you need to. Uh, he's got good ball skills as well. That's where you kind of see the back basketball background come in. Tracks the ball well in the air. Very good body control. He makes the adjustments while in midair. Uh, uses his body to shield the defender. High points the ball well. He's strong at the catch point. Uh, like I said, Preston doesn't have like the greatest speed, though. It's, it's solid. It's passable. But he's not going to break away. He gets caught from behind on some long catch and runs. Um, he needs to develop his release moves off the line as well. Mostly relies on his quick first step right now, which is nice, but you want to see him vary that up a little bit. Um, he shows the ability to catch the ball out away from his frame. He has several highlight reel catches when you watch him, but he does let the ball get into his frame when he doesn't need to. So he's going to need to clean that up a little bit uh, and just you know attack the ball a little bit more with his hands on you know, your average route instead of when it's a jump ball situation. But overall, I think he projects as a very safe wide receiver. Uh, I think he's he's got the traits, technical ability. I think it'll translate to the next level. You know, uh, I think he's probably going to be the an outside wide receiver. I don't think he would do that well in the slot, but if you absolutely needed him to in a pinch, it wouldn't be the worst option. But he's never going to be asked to do that at Alabama. Um, I think at Alabama, he offers a different skill set than what a lot of those guys have there right now, which could get him on the field a little bit here and there this year. But I think we're mostly looking at a year two guy at Alabama, which not necessarily a bad thing. Um, do you think he ends up being a boundary guy there? Yeah, I, I think he'll probably end up being the boundary guy. I think he is better on the outside than he is in the slot. Uh, you know, like I said, he could do it in a pinch if you needed him to, but. Uh, I don't think he'll be asked to there with, with a lot of the other options that they have at Alabama. I wanted to comp him to John Mechie. How would you feel about that? Um, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I think Mechie's, Mechie's probably a little bit better in a straight line, um, at least from what we've seen so far out of Preston. But, you know, I think they're they're pretty comparable. I don't okay. hate that. Okay. Just... Toss not questions, you know. <laughs> That's what we do here. We're searching for the truth. Um, all right. I chose I, I'm really surprised that we uh we hadn't done Trevante Citizen yet. So I'm there's going another to... guy did the uh getting to know a freshman video on. Oh, did you know? I did. Well, aren't you just the coolest kid on the campus? Um so I, I like Trevante Citizen a lot. I have him as a tier one running back. Um because I feel like there's still a lot of upside with this kid. He's six foot two seventeen, uh, heading to Miami. Uh, declared, uh, went to them late. Um, was originally with LSU, um, but 
uh, switched it up with the change of coaching staffs there. Um, the thing about like, he, he's just, he, he is a, basically a, a, just a ball of untapped potential uh, played linebacker and running back a lot of linebacker uh, until really his senior year where he kind of finally made the full-time switch over to running back. Um, so he's, he's, he, you know, I, those, those kind of L, LB to RB guys, they're really intriguing. They they just feel like they have a, they're they're a little more physical. They have a little more of a well-rounded game, um, and and they they they're smart. Like I think they they kind of under they've reversed engineered like the running back position by playing linebacker. Uh, and now when they make the switch over, um, it, it really really helps them. He's a pretty good athlete uh, for the position. Uh, you know I have him marked down as I think he could get to right around a four five guy uh, when all is said and done. Um, when he you know, hopefully heads to the NFL. Um, He's he's got like that perfect build, you know, at that six foot two seventeen, like a really low center of gravity. He's got that thicker lower half uh, that really helps him, uh, you know, absorb contact. Um, he's one of the better backs in the class, in my opinion. It kind of like taking a shot low, and it just really doesn't affect his stride at all, which I find to be a very um, important trait. Um, and I, I think he definitely has it. He's a really good pass catcher, like surprisingly good. Uh, for being a linebacker slash running back, I thought for sure he'd kind of have some stone hands, but he has some very, very soft hands. Um, uh, some of the better, uh, one of the better sets in this class. So I think he has a three down skill set. Um, even though he hasn't been playing running back that long, I think he kind of understands, you know, winning in the open field, he can chain multiple moves together. He's a very, just a very intriguing, intriguing player. And it feels like as good as he is, we've really only scratched the surface uh, of what he can be. I do think that he needs to, um, you know, as good as he is at playing physically, I think he sometimes needs to do a little more of it. Um, and, and then obviously needs to just continue to develop, uh, you know, as a running back. But I think, you know, the tools are there. Miami is a really interesting situation because Jalen Knighton is there. And then like the rest of the running backs, there are kind of like has beens or like, you know, just guys that, that were kind of talented, but never really did anything. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. He does something in his first year there. I mean, he's not going to be the starter uh, unless, you know, everyone gets injured, but he's just a really fun back. I like him a lot. He's a really good value. If you believe in him as a tier one running back, I believe he's going like in the 40s or 50s in startups right now. Um, so, you know, if you think he can touch the field earlier than that, then I think you you should be uh, getting going after him pretty aggressively. Yeah, I agree with pretty much all of that there. Um, I think, like you said, Jalen Knighton is a, has a secure role there, but the rest of the guys on that roster are just kind of jags. I mean, they bring in Henry Parrish, but he didn't really do anything at Ole Miss. Um, you know, Don Cheney Jr. will be back from injury. You know, he flashed at times, but I don't think he I don't think he's better than Citizen. You know, then Thad Franklin, Cody Brown don't really think that highly of those guys. So I could see Trevante Citizen getting some time early this year. Uh, but if not this year, I would be surprised if he doesn't win that job year two. And then Same. he's got, like you said, size, speed um, type of a skill set where I could see that translating well to the next level, too. So I have him as a tier one running back as well. Just he's the last guy I have in that tier one. Yep. Yep. Same for me. Um, so that's going to do it for tonight's show, guys. Um, I'm going to keep the housekeeping to a minimum here tonight after all these weeks of practice. Go check out everything over at Camps to Can, guys. We just upgraded the website. It gave it a facelift. It is, you know, just great. Um, very easy to use. So much stuff on there. A ton of new tools. 
uh, our ADP, uh, all sorts of different things, rankings. Go check all that out now, campuscanton.com. If you sign up as a yearly member, guys, at the $29.99 rate that we've had at the site for the first year, we are, we are going away from that. We are going to a tiered system. $29.99 will now be the walk-on, the lowest tier of our membership. If you want to maintain access to like all of the things that are on the website currently, guys, sign up for a year-long membership at $29.99 by April 1st. And you will be grandfathered into our middle tier, the scholarship. So you will get access to virtually everything there is on the site currently, all of our ADP, all of our rankings, all of our data, uh, all of our articles. The only things you will be missing out on are DFS betting content in season and then um, some different perks that we have for the the members in the top tier, the NIL, uh, that includes, you know, some very you know, personalized, you know, hopping on Zoom calls, helping you draft, helping you kind of formulate uh, trades and, 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 you know, going through your teams um, and, and that NIL tier gets all of our guides for free as well. Um, so just something to note there. We have our freshman freshman supplemental guide out already $20. We will be releasing a Debbie guide and a CFF guide as well. Um, so, so that top tier obviously gets them all uh, for free. Um, be sure to check out everything on the campus camp podcast feed guys, chasing the natty campus life, Debbie debate hero RB show uh, future freshman Canton bound spring reports uh, on the YouTube channel. We've got Matt's Matt's spring reports. We've got college football filtered. We've got um, all, all sorts of stuff, man. Fantasy football roundtable. Like it's just so much stuff. Go check all of it out. We've got you covered for pretty much anything you'd want in the college football space until later in this week, guys, we'll be back with Canton bound. I'm Austin. And this is Colin and have a good one.